0: This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. I had a conversation in the lobby this morning. Uh, They were like, so is your summertime rush over? And I'm like, almost. I can almost breathe, but I think this past week was the first week of school, and um, I got four little ones, and so we had like parent meetings, like all hours of the day. I don't know what people do who don't have flexible jobs. It's insane, but it's been absolutely crazy. And so we thought, okay, let's give it a break, but starting halfway through September, we're launching this new sort of paradigm here at Central. So as you know, we've had uh, house churches for uh, the past year, maybe two years, something like that. It's all a blur, I'm telling you. It's been so much fun. But we've had house churches here, and that's been our main model of community and discipleship and all of that. Well, we're transitioning from house churches into a midweek service and so on Wednesday nights, we're going to have a gathering here from 7 to 8 o'clock, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be for the entire family. So we're going to have kids programs going on, boys club, girls club. Uh, how many of you guys, just by show of hands maybe, or just give me a cool head nod, know what Royal Rangers is? Are you guys familiar with this? Okay. Yes. I hear somebody that's pumped. Is that Rich? Rich was like a commander down in Florida, guys. Royal Rangers is like the coolest thing ever. Basically, um, for boys, you talk about Jesus for about five minutes, and then you blow stuff up and you handle knives and axes and shoot bow and arrows. I mean, it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty much the coolest thing ever. So we're gonna do that here. Um, so just be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, No, it's going to be incredible. You're going to come out to your car, and there's going to be a big axe in the side of it, and the kids are going to have a blast. I'm just kidding. But we're starting like a midweek service, and it's going to be incredible. So we have boys' club, girls' club. We're going to have adults are all going to congregate in here. We're going to have tables set up. Uh, We're going to talk for about 15 minutes from the front, and we're going to have discussion groups. And it's going to be really, really awesome. But in tandem with that, we're also launching something called community groups. Now, community groups are going to be basically where we just get together and we hang out. And we have fun and we get to know each other. We build relationship with each other because we feel like that's important. We feel like doing life together is just as important as coming together here on Sunday mornings and hearing about Jesus, right? And so we're starting these community groups and we're launching with five of them this fall. We're doing a ladies Bible study that's going to meet like every other Thursday. All these dates are on our calendar in the lobby, but we're doing like a ladies' Bible study. We're starting this thing called CC Foodies, where we're going to get together and we're just going to find like the delicacies and dives of Metro Detroit, and we're going to go for it and try them all, right? And so we're just going to get together, we're going to pick a place, and we're going to go eat together, because we like to eat, right? Can I get an amen or something about that? Amen. We like to eat around here, okay? Um, and so we got CC Foodies coming up, we got CC Hiking, so those of you who go to Foodies, we expect to see you at CC Hiking. To work off your foodies, okay? Um, We got that going on where we're just going to get together and go hike some trails and hang out and have fun, be outdoors, explore and all that. Um, We have a young adults gathering that's going to get together uh, once a month That they're going to like a barbecue or a party or a game night or whatever. It's weird to think that because for so many years our church was a young adults group, right? And so as we're growing, it's like we're getting young adults and we're getting some not so young adults uh, anymore who still think they're young adults, but they're not. Um, And so we're starting a young adults gathering. That's going to be cool. And then uh, my favorite is the Guys Adventure Group, um, which yours truly is in charge of. And it's going to be so much stinking fun. We're going to like do, uh, basically the tagline should be grown men having little boy fun because it's going to be incredible. We're going to like go to the trampoline place, right? Airtime, grown men on trampolines. Come on, you guys know you're pumped. You know you're and your, your wife going, can you believe that's going to be so cool? No kids, dude, just us, right? We're going to go foaling. We're going to uh, play paintball. It's going to be incredible, okay? And it's for all kinds of dudes. So we're going to have all these community groups going on. And so all of this stuff is launching on September 20th, okay? And we're going to launch it with a big launch party here at Central. It's a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, and we're going to have a worship night where we're going to get together and we're just going to sing some songs of praise and adoration and just kind of lay out a vision for what midweek we're hoping it to be. And then we're going to have signups for all the community groups on that Wednesday night. And so make sure you guys mark your calendars for, for September 20th. We're launching all of this stuff and uh, it's going to be really cool. So it's kind of a new direction for our church. Um, it's kind of a new sort of face that we're putting forward. And we think it's going to be really, really cool and a lot of fun. And I can't wait to get with a bunch of grown men and do, try to do flips on trampolines. There's going to be so many injuries going to be incredible um, and then uh, just a few more things I want to throw out there next week we have baptisms and so if anybody wants to be baptized there's a sign up at the Welcome Center and the final thing is we have a church work day coming up on September 23rd September 23rd it's a Saturday uh, we're going to get around here and take care of some stuff get ready for winter uh, here in Michigan cool so those are some things that are coming up make sure you check out our social media our website uh, Facebook all that stuff we'll keep you guys up to date on all the things that are going on cool Can I get like a cool? Cool. Cool. Okay, it's cool. All right, so we're going to keep moving forward. Uh, This morning, we are continuing our series that we're calling Love Does. And we launched this series last week. And so if you weren't here last week, uh, you can jump on the podcast, centralchurch.cc slash podcast, and you can check out and get all caught up. But basically, we're asking the question what does love look like in action? What does love look like in action? In us, in our lives? How do we live out this concept of love? Because we talk about love all the time. We say God is love. Love is so important. Love is everything. Love is paramount. All this stuff we talk about it, but how do we live that? How do we put that into practice day in and day out? And so we feel like Micah chapter six verse eight gives us a really good blueprint for that. Micah six eight says, "And what does the Lord require of you?" And then it says to do justice. And love mercy and walk humbly with your God. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so last week, Rich started our series off by talking about do justice doing justice. And uh, he talked a lot about proximity and empathy and how, um, you know, if you're not close to something, then how can you possibly feel what they're feeling? Because empathy is feeling what they're feeling and going through what they're going through. And he basically said, listen, if you want to do justice, you got to get down and dirty with these people. You got to go through the mud with them. You got to go through the celebration with them. And you got to be in proximity to this. And he 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 warned us against being freedom fighters and keyboard warriors, Right? He said, don't get on Facebook and post all this stuff and think that you're doing justice because you're not. Right? And he said, proximity and, and empathy is paramount if we're aiming to reach and help and restore the marginalized. If you want to fill in all the gaps of that, check out our podcast, like I said. But moving through Micah six eight, it starts with do justice, but then the very next portion it says, the next invocation is that we are to love mercy. Love Mercy. And so as I was preparing this week, thinking, man, love, mercy. See, justice is a little bit easier to talk about, I feel like, because it's so just prominent in our 2017 North American culture, right? We use the terminology justice a lot. We seek justice a lot. But then mercy, that's not so popular in our vocabulary, Right? You don't hear that all over the news sources. You don't see that all over social media. You don't see that on TV. You don't hear the president or the politicians talking about mercy very often. We hear a lot about justice, right? In 2017 America, you commit a crime, there's a penalty, and then justice has been served, right? Right? That's sort of our our mentality and, and, and our perspective. If there's an offense, there's some repercussions. If someone wrongs us, we're, our, our, our immediate mentality, our go-to is that, oh yeah, they got it coming, they'll get theirs, right? I ain't got to work, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, hallelujah. Like one of the most misquoted passages ever, right? <laughs> and we hope for vengeance, we hope for restitution, we hope for all this stuff. It's sort of an eye for an eye mentality, but you know what the definition of mercy is? It's really interesting, I looked it up this week. The definition of mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is in with one's, within whom it is within one's power to punish or harm meaning they have punishment or harm coming to them and instead of that taking place there's compassion and forgiveness delivered instead that's 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 pretty huge it's it's a lot like grace you know we talk about grace a lot how grace is unmerited favor we've done nothing to deserve the goodness of god in our hearts and our lives god just gives us unmerited favor that's grace but Mercy is a little different than grace because mercy is sort of an exchange. It's more of a substitution, and it's often an unexpected substitution. When there's mercy, you're expecting something to come back at you, but then what comes back is actually compassion and forgiveness and love, and oftentimes we're floored by that. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about how can we get to a place where we love mercy, We genuinely love mercy, and therefore, it begins to impact us, it begins to shape our worldview, it begins to frame our perspective in the way that we see life. And so let's pray together, and then we'll unpack it. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and just to sing songs to you. I mean, it's so fun. I sound so terrible singing by myself, but when I hear everyone else, it makes me sound good, and that's awesome. I thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and worship you. I thank you for the freedom and the liberty we have to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. And God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come together and hang out with our brothers and sisters and to be in community with one another. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. As we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. So I'm reading this book right now um, by Malcolm Gladwell uh, called David and Goliath. It's really cool. If you're looking for a read, you should definitely check it out. It's about like stories of underdogs and how they take their underdog situation and sort of turn it upside down and leverage it for strength and leverage it for momentum. And it's a really, really cool book. But in this book, um, he does this segment where he talks about this, this black Baptist preacher named Fred Shuttlesworth. And I had never heard of Fred Shuttlesworth, but maybe you have if you're familiar with Dr. King and all that went down in Birmingham. But Fred Shuttlesworth was in Birmingham fighting against racial segregation before Dr. King moved his whole movement there, right? And used sort of Birmingham as the hinge point for the, the, the battle against segregation because you know his headquarters were over in Atlanta or whatever. And so before he even got to Birmingham, there was this boots on the ground guy named Fred Shuttlesworth, who was a local pastor of a congregation. And he was fighting fighting against racial segregation. And so the the story goes on Christmas night, his house was bombed by the KKK. And they say that this explosion was so huge and so crazy that there were windows one mile, even two miles away that busted out of people's houses because the explosion was so intense and so crazy. And so Fred Shuttlesworth was in the home that night, but he was completely unscathed. His hearing wasn't blown out. He wasn't hurt. There were no broken bones or anything. I mean, he was a little bruised up, obviously, but nothing serious took place. And so the story goes that as the uh, neighbors and the police and the, the, the newspaper writers and all these people are showing up to the rubble, a voice comes from inside all the dismay and he yells out, I'm not coming out of here naked, Right? And so then someone's like, oh, okay. And so they throw in this raincoat and story goes, a few minutes later, he walks out in his raincoat that someone had thrown into him and he comes out and they ask these questions about retribution and what are you gonna do and how are you gonna handle this and how are you gonna respond to this, this terrible incident that's happened to you and to your family and the police officers are talking to him and saying, listen, we know these guys and they're not messing around. You should skip town. You should get out of here. And so uh, uh, Fred comes out and he says, you know what? no, there's no retribution here. I'm not coming back for these guys. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna continue fighting segregation. And he was quoted to have said he only has forgiveness for his attackers. And so we hear stories like this and it sounds like sort of like la-la land, like it's out there and I'm sure it happened, but reality is telling me that is not what I would do, right? Or am I the only like sick and twisted individual in here? No? Are you guys kind of on the same page? If someone bombs my house, I would like to think that I would be like Fred Shuttlesworth, but then reality kicks in and I'm coming out swinging at whoever's close with a baseball bat and my Royal Rangers axe and I'm ready to go, right? Like, I'm ready to do this thing. No? Am I the only one that needs Jesus in this room? Are all of you looking at me on your high horses full of judgment, bunch of jerks? We're in church, you better not lie to yourself either, okay? That counts. That counts. But when we hear stories like this, when we hear stories like this of a guy that comes out and he's like, "Nah, man, I got nothing but for forgiveness for these people. I got nothing but forgiveness for the situation. It baffles us. And we hear stories just like it, and it baffles us because it goes against all of our natural instincts of, of, of us being products of 2017 America, Right? Because 2017, America says, us versus them, us versus them, us versus them, and let's fight, and let's polarize, and let's fight, and let's polarize, and let's fight. And so we hear this idea and this concept of mercy, and we're like, what? And God instructs us in Micah 6, 8, he says, love mercy. Guys, that goes beyond just merely comprehending and understanding mercy. Mercy. Because we can all understand, I can understand how someone could hypothetically respond like Fred Shuttlesworth. I get it in my head. I get it. Man, that's really cool. That's that's awesome. The scripture doesn't say do justice and understand mercy. Right? The scripture doesn't say do justice and tolerate mercy. Do justice and celebrate mercy. We can celebrate Fred Shuttlesworth and say, man, that is so awesome. That is so, I love it when mercy comes out like that. That's so cool that he did that, man, awesome. Now, scripture says do justice and love mercy. We're instructed to love it. We're instructed to love it. When you love something, you're passionate about it. When you love something, you're borderline obsessed with it. When you love something, it shapes the way you see the world. When you love something, it does something about your actions and the way you respond to things. I love the Detroit Lions. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Love the Detroit Lions. My family made the decision to cancel cable back uh, at the beginning of the year because we are like, it's a waste of money. We don't watch TV. We don't need to be watching TV. I'm getting way too fat. I'm only 33. I shouldn't be this fat. And so we cancel cable, right? The Detroit Lions start today. I got cable on Friday. I love the Detroit Lions, okay? It shapes my perspective. It shapes my closet. If something is blue and gray, I buy it. Amen, hallelujah, it's God's team, Okay? I love the Detroit Lions and it shapes who I am. We are called to love mercy. We are called to love it so much that it shapes our perspective. It crafts who we are, how we respond to situations, how we think about situations, how we approach situations. A love for mercy should permeate all of who we are. You see, last week Rich talked about doing justice. Listen, loving mercy is the key motivation to doing justice, If you're having a problem doing justice, if you're having a problem standing in that gap, if you're having a problem stepping out and doing the things that you want to be doing to pursue justice, maybe you need to take a step back in the order and say, wait a second, do I love mercy? Because when you love mercy, it compels you to do justice. When you love mercy for people, it compels you to stand in with those people. It compels you to do something about it. When you love justice, it changes everything. Or when you love mercy, it changes the way you view the world. Because so many of us, you know, we, we see these situations and, and we see what's going on and we say, you know, they kind of had it coming though, you know? Like, let's be honest. Let's be honest. They had it coming. So it's kind of okay that that happened to them. Or we hear about these stories on the news of these horrific events happening and saying, man, if I caught that person, I'd tell you one, two, or three things I'd do to them. Or we say, man, I hope they get caught so justice can be served and they can rot in a penitentiary for eternity put them under the jail. Right? And that's sort of our perspective. But the scriptures are calling us to love mercy. How does that kind of work? Well, Jesus... In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, he kind of talks to this as well. Because this was a problem back in in his day as well, in the first century. It was a problem just like it's a problem for us today. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. He's talking to Matthew chapter 9, talking to a bunch of tax collectors and Pharisees and guys that have gathered in. And this is after he called Matthew to be a disciple. And he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire. Mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And what Jesus is doing here is he's combating the current culture. He's combining this current culture that says penal substitution is what God desires. God desires us to make sacrifices of animals and deliver them to him for retribution of the bad things that I've done and for the sins that I've committed. And so God wants me to there, there has to be sort of a price paid for the things that are wrong. There has to be this retribution, this penal substitution. And Jesus says, No, guys, listen, you got it so twisted. He's like, I don't desire that. You know what I desire? I desire mercy. And what is mercy? It's compassion and forgiveness in place of all that. It's love and compassion and forgiveness and grace in place of all that. But how do we go from this penal retribution mentality to loving mercy? How do we make that jump? How do we make that leap? Because it seems so, so distant from one another. Over here, you got the, yeah, get him, stick it to the man, blah, 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 right? And then on this side, you got, oh, no, man, rainbows and butterflies, it's all cool, mercy. How do we make that jump in a practical way to say, how can I live this out, man? How can I love mercy so much that it permeates my being, and not only permeates my being, but I'm able to put that out for others? How am I able to be merciful to others? And so I was thinking about it this week, and I, I mean, if you know me at all, you know that I love dad jokes, probably because I'm a dad, but like the cornier the humor, the more obnoxiously lame that it is, the more I get excited about it, right? I, I, I guess you could say I love mercy and I love dad jokes and corniness, right? And so I'm thinking about this this week, and so now it's beginning to permeate my being, see? Point point in case. So I'm thinking this week, I'm like, okay, how do, we, how do I describe how to make this jump? How do we make a jump from this retribution, uh, substitution, sacrifice mentality to a loving mercy mentality? And I thought, oh my gosh, if this is not on a postcard or if this is not hanging on one of those really terrible Thomas Kincaid pictures in a Christian bookstore somewhere, it should be, right? And it's this statement right here. It just came to me. I may be ripping it off subconsciously. Let me know if I am. No, don't. Let me be a legend in my own mind, okay? (laughs) Just let me go here. Mercy starts with M-E. Come on, get it? M-E-R-C-Y, mercy, it starts with me. (laughs) See what I did there? Uh? Uh, Should that be on a corny thing in a Christian bookstore? Absolutely. But it's so freaking true, man. Mercy starts with me. We don't take a jump and say, yeah, stick it to the man, do all this, and then jump all the way over here and say, yeah, mercy and love for everybody. No, mercy starts with us first. Realizing how much mercy has been given to us is step one. For us to even understand and comprehend mercy, we have to realize how much mercy God has shown us. It starts with me, and then I can start to project it to others. There's this guy named Brandon Hatmaker who wrote a book called A Mile Wide, and in there he says this. He says, before we begin serving others in need, maybe we need to spend a few hours or days considering our own failures that have been covered by the blood of Christ. You see, before we can begin to show mercy and be mercy and love mercy for others, we must embrace and understand and receive the mercy that was shown to us, fully comprehending what God has done for us. Because it's hard to lack mercy for others. It's hard to look at others and say, oh no, they don't deserve that forgiveness. They don't deserve that compassion. They don't deserve that love. They don't deserve all of that. It's hard to look at them and do that when we fully understand that in God's goodness, he has given us the right to be called his sons and daughters, to be called his children. With all of our junk, with all of our mistakes, with how crappy people we have been in our lives, all of us, myself included, the terrible decisions that we've made, the things that we've done to other people, the way that we've lived our lives, God still looks at us and says, you know what? I love you so much. I forgive all of that crap. And I want you to be my son and my daughter. I want to be an intimate relationship with you. If God can say that to us, how can we stand around and say that he can't say it to everybody else? How can we sit on our high horse and say, oh, no, they don't deserve this. They don't deserve that. Step one in loving mercy, it starts with us realizing how much mercy we have received from God in the first place. It's taking up a posture of humility and saying, whoa, God forgives me. God loves me. God showed compassion to me. And when that's our perspective and that's our mentality and we realize that we are utterly dependent on God, then that really enables us to give it to other people. It enables us to be merciful with other people. It enables us to love mercy and allow it to shape our perspective. Jesus talks about it in Matthew chapter seven. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Think about that. We're so quick to not give mercy to other people, but at the same time, we want all the grace, and we want all the forgiveness, and we want all the compassion, and we want all the mercy. But if someone wrongs my aunt, Aunt Susu, whatever, uh-uh, they're going down. I'm going to burn their business to the ground. Better believe me. We can, we're easy to jump on that board, jump on, jump on that bandwagon, but, it's, but when it's us, it's, oh, Lord, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. I love you. Please forgive me. Right? And we receive it, we receive it, but we need to recognize that we're receiving it and then we also need to reflect it. The buck doesn't stop with us. And so if we wanna get to a place where we love mercy, first we have to realize our utter dependence on a savior who has shown us mercy and given us mercy and forgiveness and compassion. If you're trying to reverse engineer this thing where at the end, you know, the end game here is to do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God, right? That's the directive here in in Micah 6.8. So if we try to reverse engineer this thing and start at the end and say, listen, if we're struggling with judgment or we're struggling with, um, you know, hoping that people get what they deserve, if we're struggling with doing justice and standing up for the marginalized and doing the things that we hope to be doing and being the people that we hope to be, if we're struggling with that, then maybe we don't fully understand the forgiveness and the grace and compassion and the mercy that God has given us in the first place if we're struggling with doing justice, if we're struggling with Micah 6, 8 being a descriptive of who we are, maybe we need to go back to square one and say, well, what's my relationship with God here? Where's my perspective? Do I think that I'm good and great and wonderful in and of myself, and Jesus is just kind of my buddy co-pilot thing, and we just kind of hang out, but really, I got this thing going on? Because if that's the case, you're gonna struggle all down the road, all throughout all of this stuff. But if your square one, step one, baseline foundation for this is, yeah, I'm a, I'm a broken dude, and I'm, I got some things going I got issues. You got them, too. You guys know that song? I love that song. Right? We say, man, I, I got issues. I'm screwed up. I need Jesus. And that person over there that's got issues and that's screwed up, they need Jesus. And that one over there, they need Jesus. That one over there needs a double portion of Jesus. But when our perspective is shifted and we realize how much we need God, it changes everything with the way that we approach others. And so maybe you're in here this morning, you know, and you need to start at square one. You need to start at square one saying, I need to, you need to realize the grace and mercy that we live in consistently. You need to realize the grace and the mercy that has been shown and poured out to you. So maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe some of us in here, we need to use our grace and our mercy. And we realize that, and and we're borderline Eeyore complex. We're like, I'm not worthy, I'm scum, oh, I need Jesus. And we get that, right? But it kind of stops there, and we just soak it all in. And we're like, yeah, Lord, show me mercy. Maybe we need to use that as a foundation and a springboard and a launching board for us to, to love mercy for others, And to show mercy to others and we need to receive it but also reflect it at the same time. Or maybe we're in here this morning and we're unable to actively do justice because we're having a hard time loving mercy for all people. And realizing that God loves them just as much as he loves you and me. And so maybe we need to step back there and say, whoa, wait a second. God loves them just as much as he loves me. Even with all their junk, even with all their issues, even with all their baggage, even with all their poor decisions, even with all their hatred, even with all their, you know, uh, inflicting harm on others. God loves them just as much as he loves me and he desires mercy for them just like he desires mercy for me. And so what we're going to do is we're going to carve out a little bit of time intentionally in the service. We do this every single week. We carve out time for us to do business with God. Because all of us in here this morning, we we need more mercy, whether it be for ourselves or for us to project it and help others with that mercy. We all need some mercy this morning. So maybe you need to step back and recognize and embrace the grace and mercy that you've received. Maybe you need to spend some time looking back at some of the crap that God has pulled you through, some of the junk that he's taken care of. You need to say, whoa, dude, thank you. Maybe you need to get on the same page as him and realize, listen, the breath that you're taking now is mercy. And you just kind of back up and, man, that's huge. God of the universe, creator, wants to hang out with you and be be cool with you. That's huge. That's mercy. So maybe you need to step back and just receive that this morning and say, dude, yeah. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you need to use your own grace and mercy as a springboard or a filter for the way you view the world for the way you move forward. saying, God, I receive that, and I accept that, I embrace that, and help me to project that to others. Help me to be mercy, help me to love mercy so much that it frames my perspective and frames who I am. Some of us in here this morning, we need to begin praying and seeking God on how we can use this newfound love for mercy to inspire us to do justice, to actually do something tangible with it. How can we get in relationship? How can we have proximity? Right? How can we show empathy with our new perspective of mercy? But all of us have business to do with God this morning. And so, as the band leads us, and the the song is so perfect, he says, You know, it's your breath and our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. And that couldn't be more fitting. It's his breath and our lungs. That's mercy. How can we receive that mercy? simultaneously reflect that mercy. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for your love and your grace and your forgiveness and your compassion and your mercy. God, I pray this morning as we pause and we reflect, we go introspective here and look at ourselves to see how we can align our hearts with your heart, align our lives with the way you've called us to live, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you. God, I pray that you would meet with us today. I pray that we would encounter you, that we would engage in relationship with you and that it would change us from the inside out. That we would leave this morning excited, encouraged, challenged, changed, ready to be mercy to the world around us. God, I pray as we seek you, you would send your Holy Spirit to meet with us